When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right, the right things offensively, sure. But systematically and and defensively is, is what we were more excited about because that is playing to the team game. It's not, you didn't beat people one-on-one and, and uh, you know, go end to end he was doing it with his teammates so that gives us uh obviously um you know great excitement that's dean evison talking about the greatest player in wild franchise history that's right Kirill the thrill is for real to steal a line from anthony lapanta oh, wow we'll talk about a great debut for kaprizov last night action movie rewind terminator and we'll wrap with Roycey. Quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been standing behind business owners for over 100 years, and they are innovating heading into this 2021. Federated has recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. Now, as a business owner, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. You know, think about the things that might be risks Within your company, do your employees drive company vehicles? Do they use ladders? Um, you're going to want materials and you're going to want potentially training manuals, et cetera, and policies in place to make sure that your company is protected. And that's where MyShield comes in. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com or download the MyShield app. And you can always talk to your Federated Insurance marketing representative today as well. At Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hooked away Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL. A game winner for Kaprizov and the Wild win it 4-3 in L.A. Wow. They're going to they're gonna have to change the lyrics to this song after what we saw last night. Just, we'll work entirely, on it. Entirely new song. Just redo a song. A Kirill Kaprizov. So... So he's what? It's dollar dollar bill Kirill is that that what we found out in the post game? That's what the players are calling him. Okay, how so, many nicknames oh, oh. does he have already? So it's, it's Kirill the Thrill. <laughs> so far, and, two. And, and do, is it so? It's dollar dollar bill Kirill. 
I like that. Too. Okay. I bet you guys didn't think we'd be talking about two Terminators on today's Hell. show. Did you? We actually have exclusive audio from Kaprizov in the postgame. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. You want to wait? There's a bench over there. I'll be back. That's what he said after his second to last shift. That's right. Yeah. Then he came back and scored the game. Two great debuts, two boys, two great debuts. Arnold, Kirill. Wow. Think about it. It fits in perfect. Both in California. You know what's funny? Actually, symmetry here. Arnold. If uh, and maybe we can get into Arnold's filmography on the uh, on the action movie rewind. So Arnold was in like. Her, a movie called Hercules Lost in New York or something in the mid-70s. Just like a super weird, very low-budget film. And that was his actual debut. But, uh, but yeah, this was his, his breakout. That was his KHL. Actually, just like Corel. Didn't Conan this the Destroyer come out debut. before? I don't know. We can go through it. I'm just trying to torture it, okay? <laughs> so I'm just trying to make it work, all right? I do have an honest question for you guys, okay? An honest just be 100% honest with me. And I will preface this by saying Kaprizov was amazing last night. His, I think his passing, like some of those passes he made. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then obviously the him creating the game-winning uh, breakaway chance. Honest question. Did he intend to score that game-winning goal off of his skate? Was it like a next level, you think I'm going to drag the puck over here, but oop, I'm, I'm actually going to kick it off my skate? Or did he get a little sloppy... And a little bit lucky on that game-winning goal. John. He did not mean to score it off a skate, but he did not get sloppy. I will explain. The ice in Staples Center was so bad last night that the puck slid off his stick. He made he made this move uh, basically in the scrimmage last Friday that I attended. Same thing. Um, breakaway, he goes in, and he's really shifty. So his goal is to sort of stop and wait goalie out if the goalie slides towards one side and, and then tuck it in past the pad on the side that's sliding away from said net right but the ice stunk and so he, he was trying to get probably a little bit too cute and he lost control of the puck but he's so good he's so good that he accidentally still scored that goal yeah and that is the thing and i'm going to tell you right now i am irrationally excited about the, this kid it's one game People, you can take your sample sizes and shove them wherever you want. I don't care about sample sizes this morning. What we saw last night, to me, is the beginning of a superstar player. And I will say it in the exact same vein that that we saw the Vikings unleash Jefferson for finally what in Game 3 against the Titans, right? And I think we all came back into studio after that game and said, okay, there's there's a lot here. Like, this is not a nice game. I have the same irrational excitement about what we saw last night, guys, from Caprice. There's a so th- I'll, I'll use a baseball comparison here for a second. There's a difference because you see players for the first time and there's all kinds of players that make splashes the, the first time around. And actually, you, you, you're bringing a list of uh, at some point here during this segment, some of the big Minnesota sports debuts of young players. But there's all kinds of guys, whether they are highly touted or whether they are just sort of guys who randomly burst on the scene, like a Randy Dobnak, who make splashy debuts. You know, Randy Dobnak came and I think he pitched a bunch of scoreless innings at first. But if you really, you know, if you if you look at it, he wasn't throwing that hard and he didn't have like a wipeout breaking ball. And you can you could sort of watch it and say, 
awesome. Like he's definitely going to be a piece, but he wasn't throwing 97 miles an hour and didn't have a carry wood curveball. So like, let's temper our expectations. And then sometimes guys like Jose Barrios come in and I think he was bad in his debut, but you're like, whoa, okay. He throws four different pitches. He has a changeup that's like 10 miles an hour, less than a fastball. That's superstar stuff. And and there's been wild players who have come in and like they're pretty good right away. And they might, you know, even like Grandlin. Oh, he's right. a pretty good player right away. When I was watching Kaprizov last night, and these are my amateur hockey eyes, and I want your thoughts. I saw a young player who was quicker, faster, better hands, and was impacting the game more than pretty much everyone on the ice, both teams. And so, like, you can look and say, oh, he scored a goal and had a couple assists in his first game. And, like, other players do that, too. But the, it was to me, it was the way that he impacted the game with his physical skill set that I think is going to transfer going forward. Those are just my amateur eyes. But he looked different than the other players to me. It definitely didn't take a educated hockey eye to realize this kid's special. Like, he, like it, it's unbelievable. Um, the way I, <laughs> rip Bill. No, I, I didn't. I, it's not I, a rip I, on I, Phil. I ripped myself. Yeah, it, it's 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 a rip on. It's not a rip. It's it, it's it's a compliment yeah. to how damn good he is. Um, I told Judd yesterday after the game that if if the Wild are gonna make the playoffs, it's gonna be Kaprizov and Fiala physically dragging them along. Like Fiala had a very good and noticeable game in a good way too yesterday. But Kaprizov, you saw it immediately, even just on the TV. Sometimes it can be hard to tell when you're not seeing a guy go up and down the ice, and, when, and we don't have your actual eyes on him in the arena. But even in, on watching on television, you could tell. That holy crap! This is everything we have been looking for, and he's been worth the hype and worth the wait. Yeah, the the cliche is it factor, right? We we talk about that. This guy's got that it factor. He's got that. But let me t- tell you what impressed me about him. To Phil's point, which has nothing to do with scoring the goal, and has to do with his play, and especially the two uh, goals that he helped set up. And it's this. Um, A lot of teams try to play at pace now. You know, it's a fast game. It's a skilled game. uh, Kirill Kaprizov last night at least controlled the pace. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference there. Like, he's not not trying to play with with the rest of the guys, including the opposing team, which obviously the Wilds try to dictate the pace of play. Um, He is essentially, when he's out there, and especially in control of the puck, he's controlling said pace. That's impressive. And that is a that is a thing that a lot of guys don't come close to possessing th- that skill. I mean, what Dex McDavid probably does, yep. um, McKinnon in Colorado probably does, but we're talking about a handful of guys who can actually, during the course of a shift, control the flow and the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. And and Phil, the thing too that was that was impressive to me for Game One was. Did you see him ever look panicked or lost? Like every time he had the puck, including being pressured, there was never a time where I thought that's not good. I always thought he's in complete control of what he's doing, which for a player in his first game to me is super impressive. Yeah. Uh, I, I will make note that they were the furious rallies a little bit last night. Oh, yeah. They were the furious yep. rallies a little bit. When you have a player like Kaprizov, you can be the furious rallies and actually push it over the top and, and still win a game. So where does that performance for you, Judd, rank among great, splashy, young Minnesota player debuts? Up late last night, going through a list, 
because on the uh, post game show that I did with Dex, he asked me this question, and then we also started to get tweets about this. Okay, yeah. oh, so and cheap so, plug by the way, yeah, you guys did. If, if people want like the full immediate deep dive, Mackie and Judd podcast feed, Judd's hockey show went live last night, and uh, and you can also find that on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash scorenorthmn, one of our two YouTube channels, Purple Daily, the other one. So go ahead. There there was some serious Kool Aid ingested too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, Corona's, it's okay. But also Kool-Aid. We're yes. starved for something around here, for God's sake. We are. So, uh, I, I take you back to uh, September 1986. I believe this was at the Metrodome. Freshman tailback Daryl Thompson rushes for 178 of his 205 yards in his first game in the second half um, and scores four touchdowns in a Gophers route of Bowling Green. Wow. 205 yards first game in college as a freshman. Wow. That's pretty damn impressive. Not bad. I take you back to May 8th, 1984 in Anaheim, California. A, a guy who uh got who took a cab that cost him like 500 bucks from LAX uh to go to play the Angels, Kirby Puckett, <laughs> 4 for 5, a run scored in his debut now four for five impressive i think that they were all singles if i'm not mistaken i'm not positive on that uh but the point is it it, it then launched a career yeah. that clearly was a fantastic career four for five though uh let's go back to football impact first game the vikings 1998 opener phil and Declan against the tampa bay buccaneers a 31 to 7 win randy moss Four catches, okay, four catches, that's fine, right? 95 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Didn't he catch a touchdown on his first catch? Wasn't his first NFL catch a bomb, I believe, from Brad Johnson? It was It was not. His first catch was uh, the third play of the game, 11-yard pass, but he Got did it. definitely catch a bomb. Yeah. He definitely caught a bomb. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, but that to me, is a similar, probably a parallel impact, just as far as, as, I was at that game, and I remember the wow moment yeah. of, oh, my God, this guy's different. See, Kaprizov looked different to me. Yeah, That's the most important thing here. So This was not like, oh, nice game. This was a, holy cow, dude, you, you are better than, as Phil said, I think, most of the guys, if not every guy on this ice, and they've been doing this in this league for the most part, longer than you have. Declan, uh, we, we were kicking around a couple other names just before the show started, too, and Ricky Rubio's name came up. So Rubio was splashy in that his his debut was highly anticipated, and he also just looked different on the court. And it was I think he came off the bench in that debut game on December twenty sixth, two thousand ten or eleven, somewhere in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he scored and he scored six points, six assists, and five rebounds. But if I remember right, so like not a super flashy box score, played like twenty five minutes, but the six assists were like. Oh, you know, behind the back, between the legs and uh, alley-oops to whoever, Derek Williams or whoever the hell was catching alley-oops from Ricky Rubio. So I wouldn't put that in the Moss or the Kaprizov category, but but I would put it in the conversation. And I've, I've got one more here that was a, a Minnesota sports debut, although not his debut in the National Football League. But we were excited. October of 89, and the Minnesota Vikings had just gotten Herschel Walker from the Dallas Cowboys. And this was going to be the defining thing that put the Vikings in a Super Bowl and and won that first championship. And in his first game, 
against the Packers at the Metrodome. Herschel Walker, 18 carries, 148 yards. And then he did not have another 100-yard game for the Vikings until week two of 91. Wow. So hopefully this is not the same. But that debut, we were – that trade was huge. And, you know, it's Herschel Walker, and oh, my God, they got Herschel. And then that debut was a – that was probably as excited as we've been in this town after a debut. Um, But I would draw the parallel here, I think, with this kid's skills to Moss. Because it's that wow, wow – one of our teams has a guy that ordinarily, like, the opponent has. And you know what the good news is? When Minnesota sports teams have generational superstars, they always take advantage and cash in with championships. So, right. really, really excited. Why, why'd you have to do that? Why'd you have to go in there? <laughs> Pumped away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the and the Wild win it 4-3 in L.A. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? <laughs> Look, it may take a while. You want to wait? There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Exclusive exclusive audio from postgame last night of Kirill the Thrill talking to the, I don't know, Whoever that reporter was <laughs> sounded like a cop, but it really wasn't. Um, all right. If you guys want, if you guys want more full breakdown, like I said, Judd and Declan, Judd's hockey show is, uh, is rocking and rolling. You can find that on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. And also Judd's hockey show has its own podcast feed. If you just want the hockey discussions, are you guys ready to break down one of the great action movies of all time here? Oh yeah. I'm excited. Terminator. Yeah. Arnold. Linda a lot of dialogue in this one for Arnold. There was one man who taught us to fight, to storm the wire of the camps, to smash those metal mother junk. He turned it around. He brought us back from the brink. His name is Connor. John Connor. Your son, Sarah. Your unborn son. Before we dive into Action Movie Rewind, our friends at Corona. Corona Hard Seltzer has been hydrating us throughout the entire football season. And they've been uh, they've been helping us with our post game celebrations and post game coping, and now Corona is saying, "Listen, you guys, it was so much fun, and it was so much fun, uh, you know, integrating with your audience. We want to give your audience a little something else here for January: the Corona Ultimate Tailgate Experience. Sweepstakes will award six winners with a Corona Game Day prize pack valued at over thirty five hundred dollars, including." A 70-inch TV, wireless surround system, a massive cooler, a beanbag setup, and football furniture. That's right. Football. Football Football furniture. And more. I see a grill on here. I see all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Do we know if, can Kirill grill? Is he a cook? Kirill Uh, the the grill? uh, He he loves the. the, Some pork chops on the old. uh, what, What can he do? Right he, now, he loves the spot in, in Northeast. I know he's he's a big guy because he's a, he's a Minneapolis kid. Well, he likes like a, an establishment in yeah, Northeast. Yeah, he does. He likes an establishment in Northeast. There's a big lot fan. of them, and and I'm sure way to loves, narrow it down. And, there, I, and I bet he, I bet he loves uh, well Kamarchuk's, 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 Kamarchuk's. Okay, I go. I, I'll you could throw see. some Kamarchuk's on this Corona Grill exactly. if you wanted to. Exactly, I bet he does. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan. Big fan of Kamarchuk's too. So on the uh, on the Corona prize pack here, it's gamedaywithcorona.com. That's where you can sign up and find out more about uh, all the other things that are in this prize pack. 
Remember, you have to be 21 or over. We'll live within a 40-mile radius of Minneapolis. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes subject to change. Enter by Monday. Corona beers imported by Crown Import Chicago. And I relax responsibly. Welcome to the party, pal. Action movie reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... This is a mistake. I didn't do anything. No, but you will. It's very important to live. This isn't true. How could that man just get up after you did He's not a man. Machine. Terminator. Cyberdyne Systems Model 101. A machine? Like a robot? Not a robot. Cyborg. Cybernetic organism. No. He was bleeding. Just a second. I'm sorry. That was actually audio from the King's locker room last night. Hey, talking oh. about Caprice off there. Yeah. I well, thought that was from that. Terminator. Like sorry. Uh, action movie rewind, gentlemen. 1984's The Terminator. The Terminator. In fact, I don't know. Let me, let me pull up Arnold Schwarzenegger's filmography here. We've done a bunch of Arnold movies. Yeah. True Lies. Um. So he was on a run here in the 80s. And this was this was one of the big ones that sparked it. But he did Conan the Barbarian in 1982 and Conan the Destroyer in 1984. Before that, he had a bunch of just sort of random movies in the 70s. Uh, one of them, the one from 1970 was Hercules in New York. And it's just like he's he's it's Mr. Universe plays Hercules in New York. So if you if you ever get a chance, just watch the trailer for Hercules in New York. If you guys get a couple cocktails in this weekend. Oh boy. It is hilarious. It's 14 years before the Terminator, uh, and it and it launched one of the great action movie acting careers of all time. So Hercules in New York. When when is the first time that that he was actually deemed worthy of significant dialogue in a film? Do we know Commando? Because Conan would not, the Barbarian would not no. have had that. Correct. So, so Conan, he had two Conan movies: The Terminator, Red Sanja in '85. I've never seen that movie. And then Commando in 1985, Predator in 87. So he he definitely got more dialogue after Terminator. Okay. And then by the time, so Kindergarten Cop was only like five years later. And then he's just like a, a walking yeah. action comedy. Shut up. Guy. Shut up. Get, Get your toy. Carpet. Bring it to the cop. Bring it to the, the carpet. Toys. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've done, I think we've done a handful of Arnold movies now. We've done Kindergarten Cop. We have done True Lies. We did, what was the one where his daughter gets kidnapped right at the beginning, Judd? What was that? Commando. Commando? Yep. Okay. Yep. So he had, he had quite a bit of dialogue in Commando. Alessa Milano, yes. So I believe this is our fourth Arnold movie here. And here's the official summary. Disguised as a human, a cyborg assassin known as a Terminator, played by Arnold, travels from the year 2029 to 1984 to kill Sarah Connor, played by Linda Hamilton. Sent to protect Sarah is Kyle Reese, who divulges the coming of Skynet, an artificial intelligence system that will spark a nuclear holocaust just a few years later. Sarah is targeted because Skynet knows that her unborn son will lead the fight against them. With the virtually unstoppable Terminator in hot pursuit, she and Kyle attempt to escape. All right, listen. The Terminator's an infiltration unit. Part man, part machine. Underneath, it's a hyper-alloy combat chassis. Microprocessor controlled. Fully armored. 
very tough, but outside it's living human tissue. Flesh, skin, hair, blood grown for the cyborgs. Look, Reese, I don't know what you want. Pay attention! The 600 series had rubber skin. We spotted them easy. But these are new. They look human. Sweat, bad breath, everything. Very hard to spot. I had to wait till he moved on you before I could zero him. Look, I am not stupid, you know. They cannot make things like that yet. Not yet. Not for about 40 years. This movie, gentlemen, was a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's insane. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's not ridiculous, but it's it's rare. You don't see that. The critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says, with its impressive action sequences, taut economic direction, and relentlessly fast pace, it's clear why the Terminator continues to be an influence on sci-fi and action flicks. A minuscule $6.4 million budget for this movie turned into $78 million at the box office and a franchise that has gone uh, decades into the future. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, a Bill Paxton appearance in this movie, if you guys saw. No. You guys see Bill Paxton in this movie? No. So the opening scene, in fact, I think we have that, right? Yeah, the clip. Yeah. Nice night for a walk, eh? Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? Nothing clean, right. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. Right there. You're close. Oh, oh that's the pastor? Now. Oh, my God. You ass. Oh, man. He got him. Yeah, Bill Paxton was one of the three punk kids at the beginning that's of the funny. movie that, that, the, that the Terminator took care of. This movie was directed by James Cameron, who also directed True Lies, Titanic, Aliens, Avatar. He's a big-time director. Um, what was your key takeaway from The Terminator, Judd Zolgad? So, as both of you you guys know, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. Like, it's fine, but I, I think it was Mad Max 2 that I didn't like, that I found to be too much and boring, in part because the dialogue just bored me. Um I'm not a big sci-fi guy and I love this film. And and I thought I've seen it like four times and I hadn't seen it in a long time until I watched it again on Wednesday. And in watching it and taking notes and, and for the first time watching it incredibly closely, I like it and appreciate it more. Uh, The the scary thing is as, as weird and outlandish as the storyline is, with where our the world is now and where th- things are, it's becoming like more and more like, yeah, you know, I can sort of see that now. Um, <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I, I think that that the dialogue for uh, Ar- Arnold's very brief, but what they did give him is great. The acting to me is good. I like how it sort of walks a line between being sci-fi but not totally sci-fi the entire time and there's a story line there that is you know plausible as it is based in 84 in california um i just think that this film as far as what they were trying to do aside from one thing i think that this film just perfectly on that on that as phil said cheap budget executed it uh, the only problem, and it's not th- their fault because it's now years and years ago that this was made, is the special effects 
are laughable now. Oh yeah. man, but it's, like, not their, yeah. but it's not their fault. The fu- um, the funniest special effects moment was when he carved out like his eye was all messed up, yeah, and he like yeah. carves out his eye, and then so they're showing him close up, and they're showing his actual face like from the side in the mirror. And then, like, the next shot is, like, of a clearly made-up, like, fake Arnold face. Yeah. They probably could have just, like, not put those two scenes right next to each other, you know? It was so but obviously like the, a mask. But, like, the the shooting and stuff that takes place, and you, you've got these supposed, what, laser beams being shot back and forth yeah. at times, and it's like Atari. Like it looks like it looks like Cameron brought his kids Atari game and and basically uh, tried to put that in the film. But yes, I think this film for what they were trying to do is fantastic. Yeah, that's my takeaway. What was your main takeaway, Declan? Uh, I love the suspense, the the entire suspense of the film of him of Terminator literally trying to hunt down, killing all these Sarah Connors, her realizing like, oh, crap. I'm look at the phone book here. I'm the next in line. My address is the next in line. And I know that my roommate and her dumb boyfriend are definitely going to be killed right now. Um, And then her just going on the chase with Kyle. It's been like probably three or four years since I've seen this. I've seen it a couple times, but it's been a few years since I've seen it the last time. It's an excellent film. It really is. Even for cheesy 80s special effects and moments with the music and the hair. Oh, my God. It's like such peak 80s hair the entire movie. Yeah, Um, Linda Hamilton was just all... When you saw Linda Hamilton's hair and then she walks into that L.A. nightclub yeah. and she's hiding from the Terminator, that is like peak mid-80s. The music, peak the 80s. neon, everything about it. Totally. So I, I think it's a really, really fun film and I'm glad we did it. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, too. Like 100% a perfect film. Yeah. I'm excited for our rankings, but yes, it, it is a very, very good movie. I think my main takeaway is, so just full disclosure, I have actually never seen this all the way through. Oh, wow. I've seen the whole thing in parts, but I've never like sat down and watched it from front to back. And so uh, I even had like a Game Boy back in the day, those little handheld Game Boy video game consoles. I had a Terminator game for Game Boy. So I've like, I've, (laughs) I've known the story, but I've never sat down front to back and watched it. So this was fun. And I think the the first time I ever like was brought into the Terminator consciousness, which would have been as a kid in the early nineties after Judgment Day came out, and now watching it in two thousand twenty one as an adult, I think the reality of the world in two thousand twenty nine is much more plausible now than if you would have asked me as a kid in the early nineties. Like yeah, I think true. we're much closer to like a nuclear holocaust happening and the world being taken over by robots or aliens. Then in the early 90s, if you would have asked me the same question when like kindergarten cop was making everyone feel good. Uh, so there's there's a lot of like time travel discussion that we can have in this. Then my other main takeaway is just how great this is as an action movie. I mean, uh, and, we'll, and we'll get to the definitive bad guy rankings, but like the Terminator as an iconic villain holds mm. up over time. I don't know if he's going to take the number one spot over Hans Gruber, but. Just an absolute iconic character that holds up and and spawned multiple sequels. There was one sequel that Christian Bale, I think, starred yeah. in, and Salvation. Arnold did not. Okay, yep, Salvation. Oh, the, really? That's yeah. the only one he did oh, that's not. Disappointing. Does that not make happen. it. I, honestly, and we can maybe go down go down this wormhole. But like one and two are iconic, amazing films. Everything else has been basically a dud. Okay, and, and even even with uh, the most recent one they rebooted, which is supposed to be. It's sequel, and that is a James Cameron film, the one they made last summer, Salvation, I believe it's called. Or no, Dark Fate, Terminator Dark Fate, um, and with Linda Hamilton coming back. Even that stunk. Like, that wasn't very good. The first two are iconic, amazing films, 
the Rise of the Machines is okay. It's a little it's a little catchy. Like Arnold's in that one. That's the third one yeah. after after the second Terminator. But the spinoffs of Salvation with Christian Bale. There's another one with Amelia Clark, and then the most recent one, Dark Fate, which is supposed to be a real reboot for the second one, is also a dud. So like See, the first two are great, and the other ones stink. How many? How many franchises like this? Bourne did it too, by the way. Bourne deviated from Matt Damon and went to Jeremy Renner for one of them. That's right. And and you see this sometimes in franchises. I, I feel like the rule of thumb should be if you've got a mega iconic star, if you've got Arnold, if you've got Sylvester, like Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, if you're going to spin off a series, spin it off to a new name like Creed. Yeah. You know, like if I'm watching Perfect. the the Bourne Identity or the Bourne Supremacy or the Bourne and, and, and Matt Damon is not in the movie playing Jason Bourne doesn't make sense to me. Now you could say, well, wait a second. James Bond has been around for like 50 plus years and they've had several different James Bonds and we will have another James Bond in like four years. But those aren't meant to be uh, chronological. Like James Bond is sort of timeless. So I don't, how do you guys feel about trying to keep a series alive, an iconic series alive without the main iconic central figure like Arnold Schwarzenegger not being in a Terminator movie? It, to me, it depends on how influential the person was as the character. So, so like, if you've got a franchise where where it's a character's name, and I like the actor, but he's not, ab- or, or she is not absolutely identified, I think it's fine. Uh, so in T2, was he still a bad guy, or what? Did, didn't he, he shift to being a good guy at some point in yes. time, too? So he's reprogrammed, not, not no spoiler here, but like he's reprogrammed yet to, okay, to, go ahead. to defend Linda Hamilton and John Connor. Oh, he's reprogrammed. Okay, and, that makes and sense. And then Thank the machine you. send a, no, the, 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 the machine group sends their own version of an updated Terminator, who I believe is not a T-800, because Arnold is a T-800 Terminator. <laughs> and I believe this is a T-1000? I think Arnold's T-8000, isn't he? You yes, T eight thousand written 8, in here. Yeah. Okay, just want to throw that out yeah. there. Uh, all right, your favorite part about the Terminator movie, Judd? So I'm going to to go in this case with a particular scene because I mm-hmm. think that speaking of the word iconic, I think that this scene is iconic. It's fantastic, and you played the start, but it's it's where he goes to the police station. And all hell breaks loose. It's just a great scene. Like the efficiency of the kills, the damage co- coming in, saying, I'll be back. And coming in with the car as, as the, the guy at the front desk who ignored him basically gets plowed down. Like, I just, I have always thought that that scene is just a great scene as far as action film. A bad guy takes police station by storm. And once again, the sad thing is, in 2021, far more plausible now than that was back then, which is not a good thing. Uh, but that scene to me, that this film has a lot of good scenes. Mm-hmm. I love the action and I love the tempo and the pace and the destruction, especially of that scene. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. You want to wait? There's a bench over there. I'll be back. It is, it is iconic. Like that pacing is just so good. <laughs> uh, we have a, we have a production note about that line that we'll get to too. Nice, Declan. Your favorite part about the Terminator? Just this is going to sound kind of lame, but just how hard this dude is to kill. Like it reminds you of of, of Michael Myers in Halloween, where he's getting shot at. 
and he gets blown up in a truck. And I, I think the, when I, the first time I remember seeing this movie, I was like, oh, okay, so that's how it ends. He gets just absolutely obliterated in a truck, like a gasoline tanker. Nope, comes out, the flesh is gone, but he's still alive in his really hilarious 1984 special effects. And even <laughs> and then even in the chase in the factory, there's like three other, mo- I mean, for God's sakes, re-sacrifices himself, sticking a nade inside the Terminator, and he still doesn't die. Um, and then the iconic line of your Terminated B from from, <laughs> from uh, Linda Hamilton is like also like this probably the second most iconic line after I'll be back. Just how hard the dude is to kill. And Arnold's also just very limited. Di- like James Cameron saw this and said, OK, I can mold you into a star, but it's going to take like you're only going to have like 75 lines to this next hour and 10 minute film. And we're just going to show you as a big, muscular, indestructible killing machine. And it literally propelled him into stardom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so my my favorite part <clears throat> was was just the storyline, like how they drew up the storyline to where he has to figure out which Sarah Connor uh is it Connor or Connors? Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. No, which Connor. Sarah Connor it is. I so like it's gonna sound stupid, but like the nuance of okay, this is a movie, so we can definitely like we can definitely like avoid reality but he is a robot and so he's not just gonna like know which sarah it is but we've programmed him to know what a phone book is in 1984 even though he's from like 2029 and that was another fascinating thing that people and robots from what 46 years later know what a phone booth and a phone book are which we can get into that too but i loved the anticipation part of the storyline and the methodical like slang of different Sarah Connors until he gets to the right one. And just like she starts to pick up on it and she's, she's at the bar watching the news report. And it's like, it's just the building of tension, which was great in this movie. And then my, so another, I have two answers for this one. My other favorite thing was just, I love the concept of time travel. I'm Mm. fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm curious (laughs) about it. And I think, our culture was clearly obsessed with it too because you had Terminator time travel movies, you had Back to the Future time travel movies coming out, like all like some of the biggest movies during this period were time travel movies. And I guess my biggest question is like why do you have to be naked when you're traveling through time? Which yeah, you got, was, to, got to see Arnold Johnson there at the yeah, scene. That was great. That's fun. Oh, you did see it? Well, oh, I yeah. think it was a body oh, double, but it yeah. might have been a body oh, double. I, but there was a I man the that was nude. Yeah, you yeah, saw the front too. You saw it. <laughs> oh, I did. Okay, I missed that entirely. I'm, did you watch I'm a sorry, censored version it. of the movie? No, no, I bought it. Yeah. Xfinity, I bought it. It was free on no, YouTube. Free on full, YouTube. Full frontal, free on YouTube, yeah, full, baby. Yeah. Well, it perhaps I did didn't see it on. Yeah, perhaps they, they did take that part <laughs> out. But Who are, knows? like, does time travel fascinate you guys? Like, do you ever watch these movies and like try to think about? Oh, like, are are things happening right now in 2029? And like. We're living our life here. Like, do you guys think about this or am I just crazy? I don't think about it much because like, I don't understand the concept of, of, so I get done with today, but yet there's a me that lives today continually over and over. Cause like the whole premise would have, have to be that, that the past does not get changed. Right. So like you, you would be for each day of your life, you would continue to have some type of, of double of yourself that live that day. So like, it strikes me as being like, I wish it were true because I'd love to go back to the fifties and stuff. Um, but I don't think that it's possible because then who's the me who's going to live 
Friday again when tomorrow's Saturday. That's what that's where my mind just explodes. Like Right, exactly. So if you go back in time, let's say you, you we, Declan goes back in time and kills Judd for like 20 years ago. Thought about it, yep. Alter, Does Judd alter history. Then Judd's gone. Am I like Am I just like surprised when I show up the next day and Judd's gone? Right. In today's that's, time? That's, saying, that's why it doesn't track. Or do I never even have awareness that Judd existed? The butterfly effect, right? Isn't that what that is? That's what doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, but then if you, okay, so if Declan went back to 1990 and, for instance, killed me, um, and you showed up for work and I wasn't there, you, there's no way that you wouldn't know that I didn't exist unless, unless there's another parallel universe that Phil Mackey lives in day to day. That's not you. It's another Phil Mackey. That's my point. Yeah, I. This but is where I, this but, is where I but, just start but drinking. To it. be clear, to be clear, I would love to go back in time. What? Like okay. I would love to go see Ebbets Field. I would love to mm. go see the fifties. I would love to see the sixties. See, that was going to be my next question. Like, if you could go back in time at, at, at any like brief era, and you, you can't say like the eighteen hundreds, like. Oh, like no, pick, pick a, like, I'm not going back. Well, you could not. I'm saying you could say the 18 hour, but pick a but year, I don't pick, want to, pick a year. What era would you go back to? And by the way, when you go back, you would have full knowledge of all the things. Like you would know that iPhones exist, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't like. You would be smarter than everybody else, is what I'm saying, because you'd have all the wow. knowledge. You, oh, this is deep. Now I you like couldn't this. you couldn't be like Biff Tannen and 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 bring your sports book back to the future or to the past. But what era would yeah. you guys go go back to? I, I go to the fifties. I want to see what the nineteen fifties would be like. I think it'd be awesome. I, I feel like I'd, right, I'd, I'd fit in with the slick back hair and the great car. I'd fit. I would fit in in the fifties, dude. You would. It'd be great. It would be great. All the smokes up in the sleeve. Absolutely, I'd be smoking every day. Your hair. Be, hey, you got great yeah. hair for the fifties. Seriously, the, the, bla- the, the comb, all the black hey. sunglasses, the comb. Got a great little cruiser with my gal. Actually, yeah, this is excellent. Actually, I'm a little suspicious. Declan does look like he was sent to us from the fifties. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm a Terminator. <laughs> Term, to Terminator. You, look, you, know, you look more like the Shermanator than yeah, yeah, the Terminator. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's really nice. Shermanator. The Shermanator. I, God. I, I'd be, be tempted to go back to the 50s, but I think I would take the 60s. Like, if I just had a brief time period that you allowed me to go back to, I think I'd go to the 60s because it was such a cultural change then and, yeah. like, so much changed quickly. And, and there were so many important defining moments that occurred. I would probably, if I could like go back to a, a four year period, I would probably take the sixties. But but I and with Dex, I'd be tempted because the fifties would be really cool and would probably be fun. There's three areas that I have on on my list. One Don't of them. Don't tell me you're going back to like the Civil War or something. Well, let me just make a case for a second. God, let me, oh, let, me let me just make a case. Oh. It's not number one on my <laughs> list, but but. You ever notice when you watch like old Western movies or or like Civil War movies, whenever someone walks into a bar, (laughs) the bartender just slides them a shot glass and a full bottle of whiskey. You ever notice that? Like when you go to a bar now and you order like I'll just take a little uh, little makers on the rocks or something. Right. And they they pour it out, you know, two thumbs or two fingers or whatever. And like they charge you 20 bucks. Right. Back in the 1800s. They just gave you the bottle. Yeah. I don't know. Like, how do they even tabulate that? I just, I just, I just find <laughs> oh, wait, it interesting. Hold on. Wait, 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 you're going to manager the eighteen hundreds to run up a bar tab? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Declan and I are going to see cultural the Cold War right. and in the McCarthy trial hearings in the sixties and the Beatles and also, the counterculture. And Phil's like, you know what I want to do? <laughs> just give me the whole bottle. 
Bartender, give me a What's the fiscal shots. responsibility of this uh this bar barkeep here? I want to know. That's the thing. I don't think they're I, I don't think they're thinking, boy, I could probably get like uh, you know, two hundred bucks out of this bottle if I pour it right. But the <laughs> other thing I want to see in the eighteen hundreds is did people really settle their disputes at high noon, walk ten paces. All right, Judd and I get into an argument about the Vikings quarterback situation, and we've just reached a point where only one guy can stay. The other's got to go. And we're going to settle this in the street like men. Instead of Ventline, it's, it's, it's Pee Wee and Ricky for a, for a standoff. All right, welcome to Ventline, everyone. Yeah, Pee Wee thinks Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the future. Oh, man. Um, Down to one host. The, the other two eras, so I'm a, I, you know, at a different time in my life, I was a jazz musician and a jazz trumpet player, uh, and and I haven't played in like 10 years, but... But I love jazz music, and so I would probably go back to the Roaring Twenties just to yeah. be at like the height of That'd be fun jazz culture and um, just like America, you know, getting into sort of a well, getting into a depression at one point in the late twenties, thirties. But like cars, automobiles, industrial age, right, and jazz music, just to see. Hey, no, same. We're gonna throw the ball around the infield, boys. Yeah, coming up next, the New York Yankees. Like I just, I would like to go back to when America was really finding its modern footing. But the era I would choose number one is probably the 80s. I just like, I love 80s music. I love. No, I lived it. Don't do it. I didn't, though. And Declan did. I didn't. And I have no interest. I honestly, I have no other outside of the hair of the women. I have no interest. You're, just oh, out, no, you're out in the 80s. The women are the only thing I'm interested in. What <laughs> makes the 80s so bad for you, Judd? It, it's not bad. It was just, um, I mean, it's just, it was okay, but it was bad clothes. Music was dependent on on your taste, but I mean, there was a lot of bad m- music, in my opinion. Um, there was a lot of just really, really. I mean, it to to use one word, it seemed plastic. Like it seemed like the hair was plastic. The people were sort of pl- I, like the drug of choice was cocaine. That's sort of boring. Like I want pot. I want hallucinogenics oh, wow. like i want the 60s i want, fu- <laughs> well, I want you're ripping me for wanting a bottle of whiskey and you want to go back to the 60s so you can do hallucinogenics no i want to be around people who do you want to hang out with me on the weekend we <laughs> like, can make this happen <laughs> timothy leary i want to be around pe- people um 80s are fine but i just think that they were they were just plastic they were yeah. just sort of and i mean That's plus fair. come on if you lived here back then you had the Metrodome, okay? Well, I wouldn't. Necess- I'm not saying I. I I'd probably go like to L. A. or New York. You know, we'll go back. Then you die of a coke o- overdose at some point. Die. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, all right, your least favorite part about the Terminator, Judd? Um, it's probably this. It's small too. So because I, I don't have a ton of complaints because again, the special effects were the best that they could do at the time. My least favorite part is probably. Uh, the two times during the course of this film that Sarah Connor, who's being chased and whose life is in peril, like she is in, and she finds, I mean, she knows she's smart. So she deducts pretty early. Oh my God, I'm in trouble. There are two separate times where she divulges every detail of where she is at unnecessary, like her roommate and her, her sleaze boyfriend are being killed, which by the way, I enjoyed because they deserved it. <laughs> well, that I mean, guy, that guy was rocking some some underwear there too. Do you guys see like yeah, the, like the tight purple yeah, underwear that yeah, guy had? Yeah, yeah, and I didn't like him. And and her friend had her had her Walkman earphones on the entire time. Yeah, but anyway, she too. she called Those sandwiches bar, look right? pretty good though. I will yeah. say. Yeah. 
but she calls from the bar and she like and on the answering machine tells her everything right. about where she is it's like come get me come get me i'm sitting at the third table on the left i'm wearing a bl- yes <laughs> what are you doing and and then and then when her mom calls yes. she's been and it's not her, her mom it's arnold of course cuz mom's dead and i love how mom died we never even saw mom um but mom's dead and so arnold calls and she's been told explicitly, do not tell people where you're staying. Do not say anything. And she's like, okay, I'm at, you know, I'm in room three. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Classic That's mistake. That's my least favorite part. So, Dex, you guys are in lockstep I, I'm on in lo- Yeah, I literally wrote down how dumb she is to give away that room number. And also, like, yeah, she calls her mom. Her mom is not referenced or seen in any previous part of the film. So it wasn't, oh, no, she is. She is? She, she, yes. Yes, they talk about that she lives like in Big Sur at one point in time. And then and then Arnold finds the address book to find mom to go kill mom. Got so it. she's referenced. But you're right. We never see mom. And like mom is just assumed dead. Right. As, okay. as he impersonates mom and gets every bit of information. And, and then the other like nitpicky part for the Terminator when they're on that big car chase scene and he's trying to shoot them down. Like if you are a cyborg robot program to kill. I feel like with all those shots you missed in that car chase, and I know you're in a moving car, you probably should have been able to take out Sarah Connor and Kyle pretty easily. I know that would have not made it for a good movie if he just killed them right away. But th- <laughs> there was there was numerous parts where I was like, well, Arnold probably should have hit that car like a bajillion times with that shot. That's the movie. It's, it's yeah. like a 14-minute it. movie. It's, it's, it's a half <laughs> They're just film. dead credits short roll. Film. Short film. Short film. <laughs> I'll be back. In another movie. They should do that. Like, you know, like you, you watch a, a UFC pay-per-view and you don't know. I mean, the main event could end in 30 seconds. They should do that with movies. Yeah. They don't tell you how long it is. This could be a three-hour movie or it could be five minutes. Whatever. You pay 12 bucks, get some popcorn. Settle in. You'll find out. Um, I think my least favorite part about the movie, and you guys can help me unpack this, is the weird love connection between Reese and Sarah Connor. Interesting. Okay. Let's unpack this yeah, let's and go. let's also weave the time travel aspect in here, okay? Yeah, I have a note on this. So Reese falls in love with Sarah Connor after seeing a photo of her in 2029. Mm-hmm. So so 2020, he falls in love with a photo of a woman from almost 50 years prior. And the idea of her being the mom of John Connor, right. who is, right, he's here to save the world from this uh, this robot empire. So let me pause there for a second. If you guys, so what are we in 2021? Could you look at a photo from someone from 1970 and fall in love? Yes. Okay. There's yes. actually, you know what? Linda Ronstadt from 1970, probably on my list. But you, so you guys could? Yeah. Judd? Not, not implausible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a little odd though. It's like, okay, he, he saw this photo and he's like, this is the woman that I'm. Keep the, in mind too, y'all. He, he mentions that there's like no women and there's like, there's like such a small amount of population, I should say, that's still alive. So like so his, his options are minimum. His options are minimum, and he doesn't really know what beauty probably is. Yeah. Well, and 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 I I think the key to that part of the storyline is John Connor is his hero too. Like clearly that this guy leads the way, and, and so I, I think that's a key part of why yeah. of why he idolizes the mom so much of, of this man who is like the only man who knows how, how to fight the cyborgs. And that's right? where it gets and, and that's where it gets weirder. So. Now, Reese, they get to the CD motel, right? So we're in 1984, CD motel. Adult films. There's cockroaches, probably. He professes his love to her yep. in this CD motel, and she's in. Like, she's yeah. just like, 
Oh my oh, god! Yeah. It's almost like she's ne- like a, a man has never looked at her like that ever. Is like her reaction, and so they hook up in what is I would consider a fairly awkward love scene. Ooh, like I disagree, dude. He's like I don't want to get too graphic here, but like let's just say you know like when you watch someone ride a bike for the first time and it's very obvious that they've right. never ridden a bike before. Well, I mean he has <laughs> and he hasn't ridden a bike before per se. That's probably that, true. Actually, in the situation, <laughs> no, he admits that he said he's never. Made love before. Okay, I missed that part. But I wrote this down because I've criticized these scenes in our Action Movie Rewind before with, I believe, with Swayze. I thought this was the most natural-looking love scene we've seen in our movies. (laughs) I wrote that down. What do you mean? I didn't think it was cringy. It didn't look forced. It didn't look awkward. It was too long for me. It wasn't long at all. I didn't need that much. It wasn't that long, was it? It wasn't that long. It couldn't have been that long. He's never done it It before. More than 30 seconds. I felt the insinuation of what was going to, to take place, which didn't take a lot to deduct, was was could could have been like they could have kissed and I'd I'd be out. I, my exact words were: I think this is the most normal and realistic sex scene we've had on action movie. Reality. They're in a seedy motel and he's there yeah. to fight a cyborg and they fall in love randomly. But no, then I, I've but, got a question but, about films. Then hold on, and hold now. on, hold on, hold on, because there's one more. Put a pin sure. in that for a second. So, so just to tie up like this, this the weird love connection. Uh huh. The next time we see her, like, well, after all, you know, the 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 chase scene, they kill the robot. She's pregnant. Yep. Presumably with his baby. Yes. So he right. is now the father of the man that he idolizes. Correct. Right. It's it. Uh, it's weird. Hmm. It's weird. I I just find it to be odd. So he so he, so John Connor is a friend of his in 2029. I mean. I don't want to put too much graphic stuff in your minds here, but like, just imagine this with like one of a, you know what? All right, Declan, <laughs> I'm going to go back in, in time. time. <laughs> it's, weird. it's weird. It's weird. Is all I'm saying. I'm your dad now. Who is your daddy? Who's what your does daddy? he do? I am your daddy now. <laughs> I think you, you have Phil thoroughly overthought that entire. No, I, have I? I? Have I? I? I don't think he's overthinking. It's a huge part of the movie series. In that regard, I don't think he's I'm okay overthinking with it. it. I'm okay with that, but here's my question about sex scenes. Am, am I right <laughs> or wrong in saying it feels like in the 80s we got more, we got more um, pardon the pun, bang for your buck than we do now? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Great way to put like, it. Like I feel, I feel like oh, now man. if they did that film, we we would get them kissing and maybe starting to undress and you would go down that path and be like, okay, I, I know how this is going to end. And she's pregnant. Uh, I feel like with the Swayze scene that Dex t- talks about with this scene, that they actually had more investment in trying to have the love scene to prove to you why it happened. I think so. Here's my amateur take on this. I mm-hmm. think for the first like 50 to 60 years of movies, right? So like the early 1900s silent movies all the way through like gone with the wind era and then into the uh, like 40s, 50s, 60s, the black and white era, they weren't culturally. It wasn't acceptable even on TV to show like Lucille Ball and and Desi as a Desi Arnaz like sleeping in the same bed together. So there was like just in culture, you weren't able to show certain things up until like you know 60s, 70s, and then into the 80s. And the 80, the 70s and the 80s are almost like oh we culturally we can start to show some of this stuff so we're gonna like they i think they overused the tool pun intended <laughs> they overused it in these movies because they could for the first time like it was 
It All was right. kind of a hook, right? Oh, there's going to be naked people in movies for the first time. It's great. So, oh. All uh, right. That, that doesn't make sense. What was your least believable thing in this movie? Hmm. Least believable. Um, well, I mean, there, there, were, there were lots of things that weren't believable, but I bought in because I absolutely love huh. the film. But it was probably this for me. It, it was pr- probably the scene, um, the last chase scene before he blows up the tanker um, and, and he gets, so the good guy gets shot as he's leaning out the window to, to shoot at Arnold. And it looked like he got shot pretty good. And like, there's a scene there where you think he's in big trouble as far as dying and stuff. And then they like crash and she pulls him out of the truck and he starts to run again. Yeah. And then he and then he's fine again. And it's like, hold on a second. If he got shot and he could barely move, but now he's just fine. So I don't understand why they I don't I get why they shot him. I don't understand why they insinuated it was so bad when he, he was gonna have to have more dialogue and more scene before he ultimately did die. I think um I don't know if I would say and there's a lot of things. It's a sci fi movie about cyborg sent from two thousand twenty nine into time travel so like the whole thing is not believable but i would say los angeles in 2029 um i think in 1984 you could sort of make these fantastic uh you know statements about what you think 50 years from now things are going to look like things are really bad in our world right now i don't think the world is going to be overtaken by robots in 2029 like Robots will be very prevalent and they will probably be taking us from point A to point B and delivering packages more regularly via drones and stuff. There's eight years left, Bill. But I don't think robots are going to murder all of humankind through a nuclear holocaust. Well, if, a, if there's a nuclear holocaust, it'll be human inflicted. Yes, I would say it's much more likely we all kill ourselves before, Huba, for, yes. before robots or cyborgs kill us. Yes, I would uh, I would agree with that. Um, what was your least believable thing, Dex? Uh, well, I have, a, I have a, like a question, too. When, when they... When the police scene happens and they get like arrested, you know, or Sarah Connor and him get detained, and Terminator is nowhere to be found, where, where did he go? Like he crashed the car. Did he just like liquefy and disappear? Like I don't know where he went. Yeah, he just snuck or, out. He just snuck out the. So when they the passenger side. when they when they're in the car chase scene, and then eventually Arnold, you know, hits the wall super hard, and then Sarah Connor and and Kyle get detained oh, by the police. Yeah. Where just, did where did Arnold go? Side door, man. And he like just, he's, I, he's a pretty noticeable, gigantic he, killing. He's very sneaky. Yeah, he's a cyborg, dude. He can go anywhere he wants. He probably climbed a wall. He's very sneaky. But like the cops are there within like seconds after it happened. The cops are awful. In dude, this he's film. quick. They're idiots. Yeah, I, I They're thought that good. part was just kind of like the, I believe everything else. In this movie, though, I believe everything is believable. <laughs> you know, this isn't necessarily like in the least believable category, but I just want to bring it up before we get to some production notes here. If you're Sarah Connor, put yourself in the shoes of Sarah Connor here that night. All right, no problem. This would be a lot to process in one night. Oh, yeah. So other... She, she other, struggled. I mean, other Sarah Connors are being murdered. There are two strange men chasing you. One that's eventually revealed to be helping you and then becomes your husband, boyfriend, baby daddy. Baby daddy. Uh, both are from the future, and one is a robot sent to hunt you. And, like, this is all coming at her, like... In one night, you know, she's finding all this stuff out like in one night. I just want to say I, I empathize with what Sarah Connor is going through there. I feel like I feel like that's a lot to process. She struggles night. too. She struggles. Uh, can can we before we get to production notes? 
Can we please talk about phone books? Sure. Okay. Super invasive. Right. It's just I like, live, here's a book with everyone's address and number and middle initial. Bring up. Okay. The whole storyline is correct. Phone books used to hang in public phone booths so that you, you could look up people's numbers. Uh, but I want to get to, so that 1984 is now what? 30 some odd years ago. I want to get to the conversation now, 30 some odd years after the fact, that I now realize how weird it was to provide anybody and everybody with an address of basically everyone in that town. Like, think about that. And I accepted it and it happened. It's very true. But like, think about now, like if your cell phone and address were just listed. We're just listed for anybody to find. And and I think that you could call and be taken off that list. But if you did not, if you did not make that call, you were going to be accessible address-wise to everybody. Yeah, it is super weird. Like, is that not odd? I mean, in a time where I think most people don't even answer unknown numbers and most people try to insulate themselves. Now, of course... We talk about, boy, what a lack of privacy. And then we're on all these social media sites where they're just like giving our data and information away. (laughs) So it is kind of it is kind of hypocritical, I guess. But it is weird that you could just like open a book. I wonder what Declan's address is. And there's like five Declan Goffs in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Probably. probably There might be. L.A. there might be. It's pretty big. I bet there's a bunch of of Goffs. Um, It's a Jared Goff. Yeah. Yes. Last weird thing from me. And this. This is a theme in a bunch of the films I think that we've done now. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it's just weird. In the 80s, could basically anybody, including the media, walk into like a police station and wander around? According to the movies, yes. Like, and, and they could walk in in Die Hard, in Die Hard 2 from, from the airport. They can just like walk into any part of the airport and walk into the to the <laughs> towers and stuff. Exactly. But is that not like Phil Mackey like, from Action News here live from the flight tower? The, the media is outside the door. Like they're just like right there. I got to give a statement. And, and he like opens the, the door and he starts to give a statement. Two it's women like, by the name of Sarah Connors are being killed. What's your statement? And there's like five camera guys. No comment. I have a donut anyway. to eat. Uh, production funny. notes from this movie. There's a lot of interesting stuff. So in Rome, Italy, during the release of Piranha 2, The Spawning. Director James Cameron fell ill and had a dream about a metallic torso holding kitchen knives, dragging itself from an explosion. That's how the end scene came about, that he had this dream about a metallic torso robot, a killing machine. So inspired by director John Carpenter, who had made the slasher film Halloween on a low budget, Cameron used the dream as a launching pad to write a slasher style film that morphed into what you saw with Terminator. So. The uh the, the Halloween tie in there with just this Michael Myers like cyborg continuing to come at you is very much the inspiration for the role of Kyle Reese. Orion, which is the production company, wanted a star whose popularity was rising in the United States, but who also might have some foreign appeal. Orion co-founder uh, Mike Metavoy had met Arnold Schwarzenegger and sent his agent the script for The Terminator. Cameron was uncertain about casting Schwarzenegger as the good guy, Reese, as he felt he would need someone even more famous to play the Terminator. Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson both turned down the Terminator role. 
The studio suggested O.J. Simpson, but Cameron did not feel that Simpson would be believable as a killer. <laughs> Cameron was wrong. <laughs> well, fast forward 10 years later. Uh, Schwarzenegger speaks only 17 lines in the film and has fewer than 100 words of dialogue. Awesome. 17 lines and fewer than 100 words. This is another interesting point. Uh, Schwarzenegger tried to have the iconic line, I'll be back, changed as he had difficulty pronouncing the word I'll. He also felt that his robotic character would not speak in contractions and that the Terminator would be more declarative. He wanted the line to be, I will be back instead of I'll, I'll be, be back. back. Wow. But James Cameron refused to change the line to I will be back. So Schwarzenegger worked to say the line as written the best he could. I'll be back. Very interesting. Definitive bad true. guy rankings here, boys. Definitive bad guy rankings. So, give, yeah, give us the top five because he's got to be in that top five. I agree. And I think he's got to be top three. I, he he's in the running here. So, um, so Hans Gruber from Die Hard is number one. Michael Myers from Halloween is number two. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Brad Wesley from Roadhouse and Cobra Kai from Karate Kid round out the top five. I could make a case. So let's go through this real quick here. Cobra Kai is iconic, but the Terminator, I think, like both those movies came out the same year. Yep. Terminator, I think, more iconic as an in, like just as a straight up villain, right? Than uh, uh, Terminator over Cobra Kai. Yes. Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. I think we probably rank him higher just because he's a great. He's not as iconic. He might be even a little high on this list, but Terminator's got to be above him. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, very clever. Very well played, not nearly as iconic as the Terminator, and so I think it's. I think the running now is: is he one, two, or three? As you look at Hans Gruber from Die Hard or Michael Myers from Halloween, mm. I feel like I put him above Michael Myers because Michael Myers is is also more of a slasher film. Not to, not they're very similar. They're almost the exact same person. I I won't put him like if, if he if we give him a ten ranking. I would still put the number one as Hans Gruber because I think Hans Gruber was like this I, real, truly iconic bad guy and was what he had great dialogue. He was he was a very good villain. I give him a 10. Like I give I give Arnold a 10. He, he, he's 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 right up there with Hans Gruber. I think he's second for me. And I think we're looking at it like in terms of categories here to, to rate on just as you consider this. How iconic are they? Mm hmm. How charismatic and memorable are they? How ruthless are they? Right? Because ultimately, like, these are bad guys, man. You can't be chickening out like the guy on the rock. Right. You got to kill some people. That sucked. Iconic and ruthless. He is off the charts. I would even argue, like, just considering this is a robot role where you don't really have lines. He was as charismatic in that role as you possibly could be. I would I put like, him number one. I think he's, the, okay. I think he's number one. Awesome, dude. I like... I probably like Die Hard more, and I probably like Hans Grubauer a little bit more. But I think with what we're talking about here, this is a Hall of Fame slam dunk first ballot performance okay. for a guy with 17 lines. Like, Dude, think about that. That's efficiency, to, man. That's Carl right. Anthony Towns right there, man. <laughs> that's efficient scoring. To me, to me, it to me the the entire um, fact that this was borrowed from. Halloween in a lot of ways like what they did with Arnold took the Michael Myers character and like increased it and upped it 
Uh, I'm with Phil. I think he's won. It, it doesn't mean that he is clearly my favorite. Yeah, but I think I think he's won. I There's think a new title, wins. new champion in town here. There's a new champion in town. Yeah, I mean, just I- iconic, ruthless, charismatic. I mean, and Hans Gruber is right there too. But I think we have a changing in the guard here. So Judd and I vote number one. Declan votes number two, and so uh, he's one. He's number one. Yeah, two out of three. All right, our yeah. one through ten rating system here. The top. Action movies we have reviewed to this point are Die Hard and Halloween. Those are both perfect 10s. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop, The Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, Top Gun, and Roadhouse all round out the top 10. The worst movies we have reviewed, Kindergarten Cop, Shoot 'em Up, Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, Wanted, Rambo 3, and Tango and Cash. Judd Zulgat, what is your score 1 through 10 here? I've wavered between two scores. Both incredibly high, mm-hmm. but but Same. given how I've graded previously on the curve which I see these films uh, for the time period, I am going to go with the higher of my two grades. I'm going to give it a ten. Mm-hmm. I think it deserves a ten. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was going towards a nine, but if, but for the most part, everything I hold against this film is most of it's not their fault. So I'm going to say for what they did in the era and actually the fact that this thing for for aside from special effects guys it holds up like this holds up super well yeah i'm gonna give it a 10 yeah dex i give it a 10 it's perfect i i was almost in lockstep with judd with it's either a nine or a 10 and i i have no real reason to not give it a, a perfect 10 score um like even with the lack of arnold dialogue that's a good thing uh the cheesy 80ness that's a good thing even with uh, Lyndall Hamilton making some questionable decisions, I also think that plays in the part of the action film. It's a ten. I agree. It's a ten. This is this is one Ooh. of the best action movies we've reviewed in, in of all time. It's our third ten. Die Hard, Halloween, and Terminator are the three tens. Even though Halloween's not really an action okay, movie, you've but got one. You've got one that you can watch. Which one do you guys watch? Die Hard. I watch Die Hard. Die I, Hard. I love Die, Die Hard Hard's, so much. Yeah, I think it's Die Hard. Too. I, I agree. Too. But I'm, but it's they're all tens. Yeah. All of them are tens. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, we all throw a movie out, and we have a movie thrown out from the listener pool, and then we vote on my Twitter account at Phil Mackey each week. The uh, so for next week's action movie, Delta Force is the listener choice. But a couple people uh, put Delta Force out into the recommendations. That's a Chuck Norris classic from the eighties. Okay. We've already done one Chuck Norris movie. This will be our second one. What else you guys got for recommendations here? I'll start. So we, we, we haven't done this before, but I feel like we should do it after watching this. I want to do Terminator 2. Wow. I want to do Terminator 2. Let's go back to back. We never, we haven't done, we've done sequels, I believe, but we've never done them consecutively. I think it'd be fun to do Terminator 2. We, right. don't have, we don't have to do any other one after that. <laughs> no, we're not just going to do like yeah. five Terminator <laughs> just, movies. Exactly. But, but these are the, if you're going to watch two of them, it is just these two. All right, Judd, Judd Zolgad. So Judgment Day. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I'm going back to one that won't win, but I don't care. My guy, Seagal, has been ignored for far too long oh, by God. all of you people above the law. Steven Skull is above the law. We might have to, What we might have to do is like once a month, because some of these are, are great for us to do, but they might not get the vote. Yeah. So we should we should reserve one a month where it's just like, Executive decision, which is another one we could probably do. That's I think that's actually uh, it's just it's like a Judge Zolgad executive decision on like no, hey, sports dad says we're we're, we're going to do this one. We could just make a bin and once a month like we we do one. 
All right, I I got one that's going to rival. I think Terminator Two among these three is for sure going to win until it goes up against. We haven't done a James. I have not picked a James Bond. I am the James Bond guy. I have not picked a James Bond movie in almost a year doing this segment. We're going to go back to a Sean Connery classic and also one of the corniest ones, Goldfinger. Goldfinger, okay. a classic Bond movie. I like it. Uh, I think from the '60s, Judd. This is we actually did a Bond film, though. We, we did, did Casino Royale, but that was. I think yeah. that was my pick when we were. That was, okay. that was a Declan pick, yeah. and I think there's going to be right. potentially more to make fun of with a '60s Bond movie yeah. than a more modern Bond movie. That's so okay. Delta Force, Terminator Two, Goldfinger, and Above the Law. Should I tell you about your father? Boy, that's a tough one. Will it affect your decision to send him here, knowing that he is your father? If you don't send Kyle, you can never be. God, a person could go crazy thinking about this. I suppose I will tell you. I owe him that. Allá viene una tormenta. What did he just say? He said there's a storm coming in. I know. Pumped away in Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL. A game winner for Kaprizov. And the Wild win it 4-3 in L.A. All right, Pat, which nickname do you like better? Apparently there are two of them. Do you like Kirill the thrill or do you like Dalla Dalla Bill Kirill? Uh, I, I gotta go with the thrill. The other one's a little too hard for me. Uh, uh you know what I found out today though? It's Z O V, not S O V. So I found that out today. I think I've been the couple of times I've referred to him on Twitter, I think it was S O V. And uh I uh, did see the highlight on Twitter. Of course, I don't have FSN, but I also found out I don't have the NHL network. NBC Sports is all I got, and they didn't have any hockey last night. What was that about? Your sport, Judd. I don't know what Gary Bettman's doing here. It's my sport, exactly right. I have no idea. You, well, so you, uh, certainly wow. What they, certainly what they needed, and, uh, uh, you know, to have a kid start off like that. We were trying to come up uh, just uh, mentally with all-time great Minnesota sports debuts. Of course, Tarkington will never be topped, you know, beating the Bears in the first ever Viking game, five touchdowns or whatever the hell it was, will never be topped. I can't think of many, though, if you just say first ever game, you know, like Tony Oliva had a big game. But puck played, puck but, four for five. But, yeah, puck, that's true, but three rolling singles late at night in Anaheim. That was a good one, too. But, uh, you know, Tony had played in 62 and 63 briefly. First ever game. At, ah, not many, especially with the buildup, right? Yeah. Uh, with the buildup. So that's that's good for them. Hey, Pat, we, we came up with uh, Puckett's debut. Moss had two touchdown catches and like three catches for 96 yards against Tampa Bay in his debut in 98. And Daryl Thompson as a freshman in 86 rushed for 200 plus yards against Bowling Green. Is that the first first ever game? Yeah. That's the first ever game at the yeah, that, and and similarly build up as a as a savior of Gopher football when he came up here because uh, uh, a lot of people wanted him. You know, he was a national recruit and uh, he came here instead of Notre Dame and places like that. So Daryl came with the big uh, 
with the big buildup from Rochester too. So that's uh, that's that's a pretty good one. But there haven't been many. Todd Bergen probably doesn't uh, he doesn't make it. Remember Todd Bergen? Louis still up. trying to get, get Todd Bergen off a golf course. He was gonna uh, he was gonna tear it up, man. He was uh, he was great. Well, it's uh, it's too bad thirty uh, percent of Minnesota can't see it, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I saw it on Twitter. Everybody had it on Twitter. I got to see the goal. Yeah. And he, Zit Judd, he did exactly what you told me you liked about him. The hands around the net. Yes. Back, yes. You know, he got the He likes to wait it out. Around the net. Is he is he a bullet or not? Is he fast or not? Uh yeah. More importantly than just being fast though, Pat, if he has the puck, he controls the play. So so I I think I think his main starting point is his hands are fantastic. Like he's got the great hands. That's he he can skate, but it's it's his the, the two assists that he had last night to me were more impressive than the goal, just from the fact that he controlled the play when he had the puck. That's uh, that is uh, great. What's he play? Right wing. Um, he plays right wing. Yep. yep. Okay. First line right right wing with Prezi on the left and uh, Bukestead, and then our guy, Victor Rask. Victor Rask was bumped oh, up yeah. to the first line last night, Pat Wow. Racy. Let's stop bad-mouthing Fenton, man. He That's right. Viola. He now gave us a first-round center. In fact, I looked it up to see. I didn't realize when Kaprizov had been drafted. I thought it was like maybe 18 or something. It was 15. Yeah. 2015. So what was he? Seventeen or something when they drafted yeah. him? Yeah, eighteen, I think. And uh, yeah, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck was the first guy who worked continually to try and free him from the constraints of Russia and could not. And then Fenton spent a year, and then fi- finally. But the thing with with Kaprizov to me that's so important is he's twenty three, and and I I think he's played in the KHL pad for like five years. Yeah. He so well he's not. Is. So he's not some hotshot kid. He's really good and, and established. And the play from the KHL to this league is a step up, but it's not like going being 18 and going from juniors to the pros. It's much more of a of a transition where he's he shouldn't go through periods of struggling because of the uh, step up in play. Well, we know one thing. That's all. It, the the, the uh, wild fans do not take much to be encouraged. <laughs> Even when they stink, they won't give up on them. So to get some. Sure. Uh, to have two guys now that are actual uh, goal scorers uh, and guys who can light up the arena, Kaprasov and Fiala, it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. So. Pat, what do you make of Theo Epstein being brought in to uh, to be a special assistant, basically, to Rob Manfred? <laughs> Boy, if anybody needs a special assistant that's smart, it's this idiot. <laughs> I think he's the uh, next general. I think he's the next commissioner, don't you? I hope Theo? so, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I said on Twitter, I'm a, I approve of this because I think Theo likes baseball, unlike Manfred. I, you know, I don't think Theo thinks we have to. In fact, didn't he take some shot? I know he's an analytical guy, but not. He, you know, he, he basically, when he quit, took some shots, and we, there's more to it than this, right? No. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was looking up a Twins game today. It was a 13-inning game in 1977 in Memorial Stadium. Uh, and Mock and Earl Weaver and Earl got thrown out. A bunch of stuff happened. Four hours and 28 minutes. Back then, that was like, I mean, now 13 innings, okay, four hours and 28 minutes. But I can't, 
I covered that game four hours and 28 minutes. We must have thought it was the longest thing we'd ever seen, but they need feel. They, uh, they, they de- desperately need uh, somebody who can, uh, you know, get get in the room with Manfred instead of having 25 of his marketers in there telling him, this is what we have to do. Yeah, his, his quote, by the way, I'm just going to read it. The executives like me who have spent a lot of time using analytics and other measures to try to optimize individual and team performance have unwittingly had a negative impact on the aesthetic value of the game and the entertainment value of the game in some respects. He also said, as the game evolves, we all have an interest in ensuring the changes we see on the field make the game as entertaining and action-packed as possible for the fans while preserving all that makes baseball so special. I look forward to working with interested parties throughout the industry to help us, yada, yada, yada. So he's saying, basically, hey, analytics yeah, are great. Basically, but- what you were, even Mr. Analytical, you were admitting last year that it has made the game more boring. Mm-hmm. And what what can be done to get the ball in play? I, I don't know how we get it in play. Do you? Well, there's a. I mean, uh, there's a few. There's how do a. We get it in play. You could lower the mound for one. I mean, they, they've done that before. You could you if you could lower the mound and give the hitters an advantage. Uh, you could. I how think, do we get guys to swing the bat? That's the problem to me. I think you're, honestly, Pat. I think you're going to have to explore some extreme things. Like you might have to get really uncomfortable with some of these discussions, and some of them are put the ball in play. I think you mentioned like four-hour games. I think you might have to explore seven-inning games. And this is me. Like, I'm a traditionalist and an analytics well, guy. So said the same thing a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know. uh, I love it. Seven innings. I can't, I can't go seven innings. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I can maybe go eight. I might give you an inning. I can't give you seven. <laughs> All right. Why does it have to be an odd number? Why can't it be eight? It could be What's eight. What's wrong with eight? I'm okay with eight. I, I could do eight. Eight. What about yeah, six? Eight. How about What's six? Wrong with eight? Let's do six. Middle league, six. Let's yeah. get the game over. Give me seven. My my attention span shot. And let's do it. Let's do a ten run rule. If you ten run someone after three innings, it's over. Yeah. Just go home. Here's the first step, though, guys. Let's get Fox Sports North and these RSNs back so people can watch games. Like this is going to be. This is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. This is an yes. enormous. You you are taking away the ability of sports fans in this town and yep. elsewhere too, because it, it's not here alone. Yep, guys like to, I mean, to watch games. So sit, like think about. So Pat and I both and Declan, we have the same problem here, and that we've 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 committed to a certain service, and and so I want that service, and I want to watch these games and wild games and wolves games, and I am literally saying, guys, FSN leagues, whoever wants my money. I will literally pay you $20 a month for your games. And they're like, nope, can't do it. Well, here's the other deal. ATT's got it now. So what guarantee there is there if I go through the whole process of paying Mm -hmm. more for ATT and and a month from now they pull the plug? Yeah. I took YouTube because it had FSN, right? That was one of the first things I checked. And, you know, and they... You know, like we all should have bailed, I guess, last fall when you saw that they were having problems. But I, I don't. You know, they, they apparently are so in bed with Comcast that they, they're, they're the last bastion for cable, right? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I know one thing: the Twins can't afford a one point eight share, can they? No. You know, no, you know, and which is what they're going to end up with uh, for a routine game, if because you're losing, 
thirty percent of your what what two years you probably lost thirty percent of your audience now right and uh i I don't know what's gonna happen but uh but you don't yeah, have yeah I don't know why you don't get the option uh twenty might be a little steep, but yeah, you know I'd pay twenty obviously I'd pay 20. I would but but they they gotta figure something out but, but I don't know but you don't have fans like that it if you are the twins the wild the wolves you don't have fans like it's not an option right no and and you are telling basically a huge portion of people in their 20s and 30s to buzz off yeah like for forget fox sports north forget sinclair i'm talking about the teams if you're the teams this is a, a huge problem. They got contracts, you know. I mean, well, they, they do, but I mean, I, I'm sorry, but you know, you, you can't basically tell your fans you can't come to games, and oh, by the way, oh, y'all yes, still can't yeah, watch that, them. That's screw it, you. That's what you're telling inc- them. It is incredible. Uh, and that the other thing is with Valley buying a hunk of this, right? They got this deal with Valley. The naming, now. It's the naming rights. Coming. Yeah. Well, they can't afford not to have the 25 year old, you know. The Phil Mackey of five years ago when he was a gambling addict, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a poker player, you know, they can't afford to have that group not be, if they're going to try to sell in-game gambling, they sure as hell need the 25-year-old who might get addicted. Because yep. what are we looking for here with gambling? We want addicts, right? We're yeah. looking for addicts. <laughs> yeah, I, I would yeah. I would say that they, gotta, they, you, they would phrase it more addict, delicately. You get them young, man. They would call them volume betters, but yes. Yeah, right. That's a better word. <laughs> volume betters. But you need the 25-year-old who's uh, going to be a volume better. And uh, I, I don't know what, what you're doing here. I mean, I'd switch now if, you know, if there was any guarantee that that they would keep it. But who knows? They, you know. I'm just here for how uncomfortable Dick Bramer is going to be reading gambling liners throughout the <laughs> Twins broadcast in 2021. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll happen yet, but it'll probably be next year, right? I, I don't know. I, no, I think it'll be spring. Yeah, no, I, it's so coming. They're, they're aiming for this spring, yeah, to the change spring, those yeah. names. Yeah. Valley wow. Sports. <laughs> you think Theo, now that he's there, can get them to tell us what the rules are going to be sometime in the next couple of weeks? Be nice. that? Yeah, yeah. It, it would I'm be just nice. done with them, <laughs> idiots. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's incredible. That's for sure. Yeah, I see that they have the. I didn't realize that they're this week is the Latin America. You know the the international signing thing that's usually in July is this week. Yeah, and uh, are they gonna? And then they're gonna have another one this July. Then man, these guys are hopping. So yeah. Yeah, but do something for productive. But see, that should be think about DH? that. No DH? So what you're talking about, this is this is the signing period where like Miguel Sano was signed you yeah. know, as part of this. Some of the brightest stars in the game are signed through this process, and it's not. And now it, it would be no. hard to make it a mainstream thing like the sure. NFL draft. But there's got to be something else you can do besides hide it. You know, it's it, it's like this is what baseball needs to figure out. What are your what are your sellable and marketable properties? And how can you do better with them? And like off season, like figure out a way to force off season transactions more. Whether it's to put some sort of a loose cap in, I don't know, but how it's frustrating. About, okay, I hate to do this; it'll increase the strikeouts by a hundred thousand. But how about three balls, two strikes? Slow pitch softball. <laughs> that, that's the rule. That's it's, it, 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 it is. I mean, mm. 
What else? How else are you going to get people to swing the bat? Right. If you're only going to give one swing, you know, if you take the first, if you take strike one, the the uh, the old proverbial belt high strike. If you take that and strike one, and you strike out with two, you better yeah. be swinging at that first pitch. Also, you know, I don't know how it was decided 150 years ago, but. <sighs> It does feel like you're giving these guys you're giving these guys way too much time to dilly dally and just take like five or six pitches until something happens. Well, yes. what if you what if you made it more urgent, like you're saying? All right, we're gonna we're gonna cut one off in uh, each category, and so you're you're gonna be incentivized to swing early and often. And even if you don't, if you draw a walk or or milk account, it won't take as long until we get to the next guy. I kind of like that. Idea. Uh, how about a kind of a wheel that you have a gambling wheel and it. Spins around real quick, like you only take ten seconds, but it, then it tells you if it's going to be a three-two counter up or an old tradition. I like it. You know, I like you're it. You're like one guy each inning gets the three-two count, right? <laughs> First pitch fastball, strike three. I'm here for it. <laughs> right. I'm here for it. Where's uh, the pitch clock? They like, got to do something on the pitch clock. Where's the pitch clock? Let's just make it a quick pitch clock. I mean, they're going to be not that hard. I think it'll be ignored. I don't yeah. think it's it's oh, too hard to police it. Be I, I toss guys right and left. You got to get Joe West. guys to swing the bats to get the ball in play. The, let's face it, the home run bonanza is the worst. Is part of the whole analytic thing, and that's you, you know, know what? Wait for the pitch to hit out of the park. Oof. I've got it. Let's just go. Let's cut right to the chase. Get the young fans three dollar beers. I'm wow. in three dollar beers. Who three. cares how long the game goes? I told St. Pete that several times. You know, number one marketing thing you could do is cut beer prices thirty percent. Yeah, Surly's yeah. right down the street. How much can it cost to get a Surly for the ball club? I don't know. It cost twelve bucks at the uh, soccer <laughs> arena, and that was uh, fourteen feet away from it. They, I said, "What do they come over here and Uber or what?" Are they doing? <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, I don't think Surly is upcharging the Twins. I think the Twins are taking a normal standard rate and just upcharging the hell out of the public. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Whatever. I don't know. All right. Come on, Seal. You know, Seal fixed the Red Sox. He fixed the Cubs, which we thought was impossible. <laughs> Now he's got the biggest task he's ever had, trying to fix this game that is uh, is, uh, just taking too damn long to play. Yep. Amen. All right, Pat, we'll talk next week. All righty. By this time, the guy should have three, four more goals, shouldn't he? That's right. What am I calling it? Kaprizov? Kaprizov. Dollar, dollar, Bill, Kirill. Okay. No, I don't like dollar, Bill, Kirill. I don't Dalla Dalla, Phil told me. That's a Declan Not dollar. Said. It's got to be Dalla Dalla. I think it's two dollars. Hey, Judd, call me. I got something to tell you. It's really important. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. See you guys. All right. That's uh, that's frapping with Roycey every Tuesday, Wednesday, Dalla and, Dalla and Friday. Bill <laughs> Look, and I got it. You can find Roycey Unchained every Monday too in podcast form, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. We'll see you guys Monday.